Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. morning. That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. For this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So, where were you last week? Oh, last week we started off shaking the Monday morning blues as we talked about the high school young lady who was twerking at her after party from the homecoming dance. And uh, unfortunately, after the principal caught wind of it, he removed her scholarship application. He removed her leadership role as the president of the student body, and he told her that she did not have the basic God's ideals that he thought she needed to have. Mm -hmm. Well, that really wasn't met with a great welcome (laughs) from her mom, from the school, yeah, but uh, the due time crew got to talking about it. And there were mixed feelings. Some felt that, you know, right on point, she needed to have a lesson learned and she needed to be taught a good lesson and revoking those things from her was right on point. And you had others who did not feel the same. They felt that that was a bit extreme. He's a young person, and what else do you do at parties when you're 17 years old? Well, an interesting conversation is uh, I'd go back and listen if I were you. Well, we also had on our Monday morning the switch tip with Shantice. Stop being 
extra. Yes. As uh, the conversation took place, Shanti started talking about some things, such as, hey, you know, we were all 17, and, you know, God has looked at us with a sad eye at times, but didn't strip us. And these are the things that we really need to think about when we are casting our vote when we're seeing some stuff that, you know, it's, it's just not the way it should be. You know, you know, it was an interesting, interesting response to our conversation. Okay. All right. Well, that's how we spent our Tuesday, um, our Monday. Well, there was no... It's the time with Pastor Steph on Tuesday as Block Talk Radio site was down. But we did have a conversation on Wow Wednesday. And uh, our girlfriend Vivian gave us the socially conscious segment. And we talked about the California mayor who signed the bill creating the Ebony Alert. Yes almost in the same vein as uh, what do you call it? the Amber Alert. Yes, because the Amber Alert, they say, has not really focused on the children on the other side of the fence as much, you know, us, 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 us. And, you know, very interesting, uh, Vivian told us that, since its origination in 1996, Amber Alert has really only brought over a thousand children back home. Wow! Well, I have to tell you, I was a bit surprised. It's been, you know, a long time, and you're talking, you know, a, a light number. Uh, a rather light number, and, you know, hopefully with the Ebony Alert drawing more attention to children that they say are not in the home because they have been seen more as runaways, more than children that have been abducted, maybe now they'll get a little more attention and will return more children home. Uh, we also talk about the uh, coyotes who have seen to join us here in the New York City area. Yeah. In Claremont Park in the Bronx, the coyotes have made their appearance. So, you know, they want you to call and alert, you know, 311. If you were to spot a coyote, now I don't know uh, how quickly you can get up out that area, but, you know, don't forget to, to knock on the door of 311 if you are to see a coyote in your neck of the woods. Okay? All right. Well, Thursday, Therapeutic Thursday rolled around. And it was a light conversation on Thursday with the ladies. So I'm going to send you back to go and listen because it's an interesting one nonetheless. 
and on Freestyle Friday, we talked with the men. And, oh, did we have a few different topics we talked about as it was Update Friday. Yeah, they had a lot of different updates to some of the stories that we have done in the past. We did have an update on the judge who had (laughs) a good old time on social media in the courtroom while the case was going on about the little girl who was murdered by her parents. And uh, we found out that not only was she on social media, but had sent 500 texts between her and the bailiff. So they are definitely trying to get her off the bench permanently. And she's been suspended. And I did find out by one of our loyal listeners that the bailiff was also ousted. Yes, 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 yeah. They didn't really want no job no way. No, no, no. Not if you chatting like that. We also talked about the young man in Texas who has his hair braided, who they have now taken out of what do you call it, in house suspension and will be putting him in an alternative school. Oh, yeah, they are really going buck wild out in Texas. And we talked about that Louisiana principal who took away the young lady's scholarship as well as her student um, government president seat. Well, he's asked for the time off for the rest of the year. Now, that was kind of interesting considering that he, you know, stood his ground and, you know, made such a call to revoke all of, you know, her scholarships and things like that. Well, he offered to help her with the scholarships again and, you know, give her back the applications. Well, Mom said it was too late. All the deadlines had passed, and uh, she wasn't so forgiving. Well, after the scholarship had gone bye-bye, you know, that's a hard pill to swallow. You know, what's the point of waking up now? Yeah, well, go ahead and take your leave of absence so you don't destroy anybody else's life over some nonsense. So... Those are just some of the things we talked about on Friday with the gentleman. All right. All right. So, you know, I encourage you to go back and listen and see what uh, yeah, what we were talking about last week. Okay? Well, today is Shaking the Monday Morning Bleed. Yeah, already. Already. Time is flying by. Time is flying by. Time is flying by. It is almost the end of the year, everybody. Yes, it is almost gone. 223 is almost 
out of here. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to be with you again, again, and again. And uh, we're going to get our morning started. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to go get that healthy breakfast. I'm going to give you an opportunity to go and tell somebody that it's the time where Pastor Steph is on. And whatever you do, whatever you do, don't go anywhere because we will be right back. I'm a survivor. I'm a survivor. I'm in my 50s and I had a stroke. My mom had a heart attack. I didn't know high cholesterol is related to heart disease. Or that I have a genetic disorder that causes high cholesterol. I really thought I was too young to worry about it. I just assumed everyone had high cholesterol these days. Good cholesterol, bad cholesterol, I never understood the difference. I eat pretty healthy, have my oatmeal every morning. It never worried me. I carried my lab script in my purse for a year. Never got it done. I hated having a fast first. I never had time. I never made time. I make time now. I pay attention now. I pay attention now. I pay attention to my cholesterol now. Will you? One in two women has high cholesterol or borderline high cholesterol, putting them at risk for heart disease. For a free tool to track your cholesterol, go to womanheart.org forward slash cholesterol. Good morning, good morning, and good morning again. Welcome back to It's the Time with Pastor Steph. And we are shaking the Monday morning blues. Yes, and we're going to get an opportunity to do that together. So just in case you might be bluesy today, I think by the time we finish, you won't have that issue. Listen. I want to share something with you. Last night, I had the privilege of being treated out to a concert with Kirk Franklin, Ty Tribbett, Tamla Mann, David Mann, and surprise guest for us, Israel Horton. And who else was there? Isaac Curry. He was there. He didn't make any special appearance or anything like that. But he was there. And it was really good. I think I caught everybody. I think I got everybody. I think I got everybody. Yeah, I think I got everybody on the roster. It was really good. It was really good. Earlier, I think it was earlier this year. Was it earlier this year? 
we saw Kirk Franklin, if not early this year, then last year. We saw Kirk Franklin, and it was good. It was really good. He's always good. I, I have to say, he is really good. He always does, like, a memory lane type thing, and it, it was really good um, going down memory lane to hear all his songs. They called it the reunion tour. You know, David and Tamala Mann actually started with him before they jumped on board with Tyler Perry. So it was really good to, you know, get those oldies but goodies, you know, He's Evil and Silver and Gold. And uh, it was really good. It was really good. Ty Tribbett did some of his songs. Now, it was interesting. They had just one set of background singers. Yeah, they they did not rotate sets. It was really interesting. It was a really interesting, you know, for those of you who are concert goers, yeah, I've been to quite a few concerts, and one of the things, I'm going to talk about that this morning. I'm sorry. You know, it's, it's Let's Shake the Monday Morning Blues, and I'm going to talk this morning. It was really interesting because generally, each artist, they have their own musicians, they have their own background singers and things like that, and it was not like that. It wasn't like that at all. They had one set of background singers, and I only saw a couple of Kirk Franklin's regulars, if you will. You know, for those of you who watch video, the videos and things like that, you know, he has his normal set, but... They, they, just a few of them. It was just a few of them. And they, they, he always has powerhouses. And they were a powerhouse set, and they sang for every single individual. Every single set they sang, the same background. Um, and they were good. They were good. It wasn't like they were better for one group than they were, you know, with the other group. The musicians, like I said, they never change set. No, you know, normally, like as this, the 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 um, artists change, you kind of have like an intermission type of thing. No, they just transitioned. You know, we got there. Kirk Franklin and Ty Tribbett were on, and then they just moved into Tamala Man, and then they moved back to uh, Kirk and. Ty Tribbett, and they transitioned right into, when you look, Israel was saying, we didn't even know who he was, because he looks much older. Man, that hair, that white hair on his face, you would not know who that was. And he just sang, and they sang with him. The background singers sang with him, and then they brought Tamla Man back on, and then they did a like a, a little medley. Each one of them did a, a a medley of their own song again, songs again, and it was really good. It was really good, and it was different to see how you know they transitioned. They did do one break where they do food for the hungry, these children's um, thing that they do to you know raise money 
for different children, your needy children in different countries. And Anthony Evans, the son of Dr. Tony Evans, he was on and he made the presentation. And he was really good. It was very interesting, very interesting. He told his own personal, you know, testimony. And he, it was a nice segue into, you know, the Food for Hungry, you know, uh, petition. It was really good. It was really well planned. Let me tell you something. Twice we've been to Kirk Franklin and back to back, back to back. That, we were at the Prudential Center. When I tell you, it was jam-packed. Oh, my gosh. I could not believe how crowded this place was. I just could not believe it. And when I, I don't go, you know, I don't go to the huge, I don't only go, let me put it like that. I will go to the very small, intimate venues, like I went, last year I think was the last time I went to an intimate, I went down to City Winery last year to see Brian Simpson, for those of you who know, I love smooth jazz music, and he was downtown, and it was was a small, intimate place, but the pier, down on Chelsea Pier, and it was packed, it was small, it was intimate, and it was like huge. Prudential Center because that's where like the New Jersey Devils play the hockey team. Oh my gosh, it was. We went to Barclays the last time to see Kirk Franklin and the new group he does. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Um, somebody send it to me. I can't think of the name, but it was. I mean, it was jam packed at the Barclays Center. It, don't ever think that the gospel arenas do not stay, stay as packed or the gospel venues do not stay as packed as the regular uh, concerts. Oh, my God, wait, hold on. I think somebody's sending this to me now. Maverick City. Thank you, Maverick City. Yes, yes, yes. That's who, that's who was with. Kirk in the last time, Maverick City. And when I told, oh, my God, this place was jam-packed last night. It was jam-packed. Yes, look at all my people. Look at all my people just hollering. Maverick City, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for looking out. It was packed. Oh, my God, it was so packed. And it was just good. And when I tell you, they were up. They were on their feet. They were singing every. Song. There were a couple of songs I had never even heard of, and they were singing those songs. It was it was good to be in good company. It was good, you know. In in light of all that's going on, you know, in uh, with the Israeli and Palestinian, you know, situation, it was really good to really see, you know, an arena that was packed with, you know, just a, the different, you know, uh, it really was. Because at one point, people would say that the gospel artists couldn't sell out. I don't know if you all remember that. Well, I'm a concert person, so I, I kind of remember that. But, yeah, they used to say, you know, when the gospel um, entities come through, they don't pack the houses the way 
you know, all the rap and the hip hop and you know, let me tell you something, jazz they they really have a hard time they say. But they get packed out as well. But they really have downed the gospel music. And it it was so good to see the last two and like I said, they were back around. We just came from them not that long ago. And it was oh my gosh. I just looked around that arena and I was like, Oh my god, this place is jam packed. I was like, How many plates I'm Chachi trying out for me? How many people does the Prudential Center hold and Barclays hold? And when I tell you it looked like there was one seat in that place. I mean, maybe at the top tier, but even up there, it was packed. And those people were on their feet. I mean, on their feet. And I don't know about any of you. One of the things you don't want to happen is everybody get on your on their feet and you don't want to stand. Man, you might as well not even be in the place. <laughs> You can't see nothing. I looked behind me, and there was this one lady who was singing, and I was like, oh, my goodness, I know she can't see a lick. But I have to tell you, it was a good time to be had. Uh, I went with Vivian. Yeah, your girl Viv on Wednesdays. Uh, wow, Wednesday girl Vivian. Serge, husband Serge, Teresa. Teresa's been on It's G Time before. Serge has been on It's G Time before. And it was just the four of us. And it was, you know, it was a treat from the church. You know, the church looked out, and they treated me, and it was really, really, really a wonderful, wonderful treat. I thank them so much for seeing to it that I had a good time. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right. Prudential Center, 1,755 seats, and the Prudential Center like I said, is a home to the New Jersey um, Devils, the hockey team. And you know when it's the the uh, sporting event, those places are jam-packed. You know that. You see that. Football stadiums, the basketball arenas, those places stay jam-packed, and it was jam-packed. It was jam-packed for the gospel venue. Barclays holds 19,000 people, and I promise you there were very few seats available when we were at the Barclays Center. And the Barclays Center, I think they're the home to the Brooklyn Nets, if I can, if I can remember correctly. That's Jay-Z's place, I believe. And, man, 19,000. And when I tell you, they were jam-packed. Oh, yes, 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 I'm right there. The home to the Brooklyn that jam-packed. Imagine being in that type of arena. I mean, 19,000 people, 16,000-plus people, and everybody there just to have a good time. They were really, really, really um, good all the singers, they really sing. That's the one good thing about gospel music. You know, it's not like some of the hip-hop artists, you know, when they go out, you're like, oh, okay, they were straight studio singers. You know church people sing. And Tamla Mann 
did not did not disappoint. Uh, Israel did not disappoint. They were good. Tychibit did not disappoint. That you know, Kirk Franklin's people did not disappoint. You're good. It was really good. So if ever you have an opportunity to go, make it your business to go. Make it your business to go. It is really uh, a wonderful time to be had. The people there are all there to have a good time, and they really do. They really do. So thank you for letting me chat a little bit and tell you about my good time. So that I, you know, would talk about that a little bit. Something a little different for the Monday morning conversation. And I don't want to disappoint and not give our health tip. But I saw something yesterday that last night that I thought was really interesting. So forever and a day We've always been told that our normal temperature is 98.6. And, you know, anything above, like, 99 is, like, a low-grade fever. And, of course, as you get into your higher numbers, you know, then you're fever-ish. Now, they say... That, do you know, and I wanted to share this with you, that has been the, how can I say this, that has been given to us ever since 1868. Can you imagine? We have been given that information since 1868. Now, let me tell you how they got the 98.6 temperature. So there was this German doctor, and what he did was he collected temperatures, they say, from about 25,000 people. And they say he reported a range of temperatures in that group, and he said that men and older adults had lower readings than women and young adults. And overall, the temperatures ran about 98.6 in the afternoon. And that's how he got the 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit. So since 1868, we have been given that number. Well, they say that that's actually no longer the average. No, they say that we really don't have an average anymore. They say when you look at the different genders, the age, your weight, your height, it fluctuates. And there really is no average the way it was, at least when he did the 25,000 people, 
and he they said that most people think that that's you know what it is because that's the way it's been given to us but they say it's rarely as high as 98.6 yeah they say that it's actually just slightly lower and the general average is 97.9 which means that if our average is 97.9 then our quote unquote fever numbers are no longer really a fever. Think about it. So they say that anything over a hundred point four is actually a low grade fever. It's not really a true fever. So they want us to go with these numbers now. And they say in adults, in adults, at least 100.4 is a fever, right? Now, check this out, because you know these numbers used to send us like, oh, my God, 103.1 is a high fever. And they said anything above 105.8 is a very high fever. Now, remember, if we ever saw in an adult something at 103, we were like, okay, you almost dead. Kids, yeah, children could always stand a higher fever than adults, you know. But definitely when it came to adults, you better not hit those numbers because you were like, comatose. (laughs) Yeah, they were really, really going buck wild. And they're saying that in a newborn, the average body temperature is 99. Yeah, 99.5. They say for a child, the average, quote unquote, is 97.52. And anything above 104 is a fever. They say if your baby is younger than three months old and has a fever over 104, then you need to. That's 100.4. I'm sorry, I didn't say that right. 100.4. They say, you know, start really paying attention. But if that child has a fever over 104, 104, then definitely get that child to a doctor. So I thought that was really interesting, really interesting. I was like, wow, I need a five-second pause, please. Thank you. So check those numbers out. I think, you know what I also believe? I also believed that they were able to get different numbers when we all went through that COVID um, bout. Yeah, I think it really showed different numbers and things like that. 
because your body, a lot of people went through a lot of trauma during COVID. And I think we saw how much your body could actually handle and what your body couldn't handle during that time. So I think, you know, periodically when we go through these different health adjustments, I don't know if I'm going to use, you know, scares, but I think when we go through these different health adjustments that, you know, our bodies are different now. And, you know, you really get an opportunity to see what people can handle and what people can't, what people's bodies can handle and what people's bodies can't. And I think this really gave them an opportunity to see our bodies differently. I think had that COVID not hit, I think they still would have been going with this 90.6. Because if you think about it, they wouldn't have been seeing as many people. Yeah. We saw a lot of different people and a, a lot of different, you know, conditions and things like that. I just spoke to someone Saturday night. And, you know, she's an, she's an older woman. She's a little older than me. And, you know, she was telling me how she still has, you know, she still has her taste and her smell still hasn't really returned to um, its norm. Yeah. So remember they were saying that there were people who actually contracted COVID who really didn't bounce back. Yeah, there was no back to normal for them. Yeah. So I just thought you'd like to know that. So, you know, in case you get that thermometer out and it says, you know, 100 point something, not necessarily, you know, crazy or 99, but you still need to watch it. You still need to watch it, okay? All right. Let's talk about some news here. I got some news that is like really kind of crazy. So you have this Uber driver who this has been a minute now. They just caught him. I believe he's he was out in Florida. So you have this Carrie Gasag, Gasag or whatever his last name is. We'll call him Carrie was sentenced to 10 years after he pled guilty for raping. That's exactly what happened. For raping this 34-year-old woman out in Florida. Now, it's bad enough he raped her, but here's what happened that really made this story interesting. So, he, he actually came in contact with her as an Uber driver. And she was fleeing from a sexual attack earlier. She had experienced some sexual attacks earlier. And she was fleeing and, you know, thought she was going to get some rescue 
from this Uber driver, Uber driver, and they say once she was in the car, he proceeded to ask, me, ask her for sex. So she jumped out of the car in a panic, needless to say, and he chased her down at this hot spot. So she ran behind this this huge thing they had. You like a you know they have like a huge bottle of like beer, like a balloon type of thing. That's what it looks like in this picture. And like I said, it was a hot spot that she somehow ended up. And she ran behind or she ran from him and he ended up dragging her behind this huge, you know, thing and he raped her. So she ran out from behind it. She was no longer dressed. And all the while there was a live webcam going on. And it was being viewed by, like, an emergency dispatcher who was in Boston at the time. So he ended up calling, like, 911, and he told them, he said, I think I'm seeing, like, somebody who just got raped. And they actually had footage of him coming from behind this big thing, bottle of beer thing, and they caught his, um, I guess, you know, his features and all of that kind of stuff. And what happened was when she ran out, there were some people who did say that they did see her running like a few minutes before um, he emerged from behind this thing, and they didn't catch him at first. It took them some time. Oh, two years. Two years it took them before they found out who he was, and they ended up arresting him for sexual battery, false imprisonment, and evidence tampering because they saw him go back this thing and gather up her clothes and stuff or whatever evidence that was left there. He went back, gathered that up, so that's how they caught him with the evidence tampering. They had all of that on the live webcam too. So they have him on bond at $225,000 and Wow, this is this is crazy. This is crazy. You know, can you imagine twice in one day? Now, I mean, God forbid it it happens once, but you fled from one straight into the arms of another crazy individual who sexually assaults you. So that that's why, you know, normally I don't talk about 
you know, things like that. But I just thought this was just like the craziest situation. And I guess he thought after two years he was good to go. Well, nope. Thank God the live webcam was going and they caught his butt. Thank God for that. And thank God somebody was actually watching it. Now, even after they, you know, he called while it was going on live, it still took them two years. But think about if they had this footage but never watched it. They didn't watch it until much later. You know, it's, boy, that was, that was some, some story. When I read it, I was like, wow, wow, wow. Here's another wow story. You know, people are crazy. You've got this. Okay, so you've got this um, clinic who does fertility procedures. Now, this includes like in vitro. They do um, draining of ovarian cysts. They do, they call it testicular sperm extraction. Oh, my goodness. You have this nurse who works in this clinic who actually went into the fentanyl supply. Now, let me help y'all understand something, because see, this fentanyl thing has gotten way out of control. So let me help you understand, for those of you who don't, fentanyl is a drug that they give you during procedures. So Even when you're under anesthesia, and I never knew this until multiple surgeries later in my life, that they actually give you pain meds even while you're under anesthesia. And fentanyl, morphine, those are some of the pain meds that they give you. So they would give... women women who were going into this clinic for these procedures. Well, there was a nurse who actually went into the fentanyl supply, removed the fentanyl out of the bottle and replaced it with saline. So when they were actually doing the procedures and they were giving the pain medication to the uh, people who were going through, to the patients, the people were feeling all the pain because they weren't actually getting pain meds. They were getting saline. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm speechless. Speechless. 
Let me do this. Hopefully, I'm getting some feedback that you can't hear me so well. Okay. Hopefully, this is better. Please indicate whether this is better or not. So, they see seven people underwent these invasive surgeries. And while they were in the surgery, they were screaming in excruciating pain during the procedures. And nobody paid them any attention. And when I say that, I mean they thought the people were, like, exaggerating. Well, let me tell you something. Fentanyl is extremely strong. Been there. Been there. I've had fentanyl post-surgery. And it's, it, it works. Oh, it works. You don't feel nothing. So that's what they were anticipating with these women who were going through these procedures. They said that the patients were saying they were in so much pain. They thought, one woman said she thought her organs were going to come through her groin. Oh, my God. Yeah, they said a nightmare. And they're suing now because they're like angry, not only because they went through it, but because they were like, yo, we were telling you something was wrong and nobody was paying us any attention. You thought that we were like exaggerating. And, oh, Lord. Are y'all ready? Are y'all ready? 68 people Yale in November of 21, accusing it of ignoring multiple complaints from women that they had experienced excruciating pain during IVF, egg retrievals, and other painful procedures. 68 people. It started off with the seven and graduated to 68 people. Oh, my gosh. So, mm, they said that the first seven came before they found out that it was the nurse who had messed with the medicine. Yeah. So now they got 68 people sitting there with some lawsuits. So mm, wow. Wow. Yeah, you know what were you taking this medication and doing with it? That's what I want to know. That it's different than the fentanyl that's on the streets. It's different. They said they found that there were hundreds of vials that this nurse swapped out. Hundreds of vials. 
that she swapped out for saline. Mm, mm. Oh, my goodness. They said that a federal investigation found about 75% of the vials of fentanyl patients received during procedures were actually saline. This boy, I hope they fry her butt. I don't know. Jail, man. You know, Brother Al is always talking about Big Bertha, Big Bubba. What could you possibly do to this woman that would equate what she did to all of these people? And my thing is, I can't imagine these women going through this 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 in ordeal and 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 them not stopping. And I don't know if they could stop. You know, if you're halfway through a procedure and the women are yelling, you know, that they're in pain, could you really stop the procedure? This this here, this is some insensitive stuff right here. This is some insensitive, heartless stuff right here. I would really like to know what she did. What she did. So they say they suspended her license. <laughs> they charged, um, oh, it was a male nurse. Wow. Wow. It was a male nurse. They said they suspended his license, charged him with five counts of tampering with a consumer product. That's it. Wow. Wow. Well, already, if you got 68 people saying that they complained, and I wonder if they documented this. I wonder if they documented, okay, well, while the procedure was going on, you know, Mary Jones said that, you know, this is what she experienced. This is what she was feeling. I wonder if they document that because, you know, you would think that they would because, you know, when they have to tell, like, what happens during the procedure and how the procedure went, you know, I wonder if they do. Wow. Boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. And then you end up being, man, you are some man. Wow. Wow. All right, well, I got this other wild story. I'm full of wild stories today. I really am. I mean, and this kind of makes up for, like, the couple of weeks where there was no news at all. Oh, okay. So you've got this 11-year-old girl who they say was raped twice by teenage boys. Another story, which is really, this is crazy. Now, this is not this is not here in the United States, but I want to talk about this one because this is this is kind of interesting. So, there's this Mrs. Justice 
somebody. Can't pronounce her last name. I ain't even gonna try. She was told how there was a girl who was 11 years old who ended up pregnant earlier this year after being raped by a 14-year-old boy who she met on the internet when she was 10. Then she was raped by another 14-year-old boy a few weeks later when she was 11. Now, she lives at home with her parents, this little girl. And they say the judge has made the decision that this this little girl should hear I'm sorry. That this little girl should have an abortion. And she also ruled that the placenta should be used for purposes of forensic testing in a criminal investigation. And this is going on in London. Now, they don't say how this ended up in court. But they say that this was a private hearing in the family division of the high court in London. And they say that the health authority bosses asked the judge to rule that the term that a termination of pregnancy was in the girl's best interest and that they need to do this here with this placenta. And she did. She did rule and that's what they're going to do with this little girl. Now, I'm a little lost because all of this is going on. They say that she was told that there's been some self-harming and some neglecting herself. So clearly this must have come up when the little girl showed up pregnant in London and maybe they went to do some investigating and they found out that this is what supposedly happened with her, you know, maybe when she went to the doctor or whatever have you, and that's when the, you know, let's say our social services got involved and then that's when they gave this to the judge and this is what this social services department recommended. They also told the judge that she, the little girl had been watching pornography since the age of eight. And they said she also showed signs that she had been putting herself in sexually exploitable positions. And that the little girl lacked the intellectual development and capacity 
to process the complexity of the decisions that had to be made. So in other words, they're saying that she she doesn't have the ability to make the decision for herself. And the doctors told the judge that physical health risks were over and above the normal risks of pregnancy. I guess so. She's only 11 years old. So what would her body actually endure a delivery? She's only 11. And they have had stories of girls at 12, you know, and things like that who have had babies and stuff like that. But, you know, everybody can't handle that. But, you know, initially my thought was, well, where, why are they not, why is it that the social services department making this recommendation to the judge they haven't said one thing about the fact that of what the parents said, and they have said that the parents she lived in the home with the parents. Well, after reading all of this other stuff about showing signs that she's put herself in sexually exploitable positions, she's been watching pornography since she was eight years old. Then clearly, the parents are not taking care of this little girl properly. How have you managed to be raped twice, one at the age of 10, and then a few weeks later at the age of 11, they're able to say that you've done all of this other stuff, and you live at home with your parents? Then where are your parents? What are the parents doing? Well, clearly nothing. Clearly Nothing. Because how is your child exposed to all of this stuff if you've been protecting her? So she got, she was raped when she was 10, and a few weeks later, she was raped again. So when she told you she was raped the first time, you left her out there to be raped again? So it sounds more like They've been putting her in situations because we've been reading about that quite often over this year about how the parents have trafficked the children themselves. So that's what it really that's what it really sounds like here that the parents are responsible for putting the little girl in these particular situations. I don't know. I don't know. What does it sound like to you? Does it sound to you like this is something that the parents are behind? Because this here, this makes no sense. This makes no sense. That now the the social services department is the one making all these recommendations to the judge and now, here you are as a parent. You don't have a say. They have not mentioned these parents one time in this entire article except to say that the girl lives with the parents. That's it. Oh, boy. I don't know, y'all. I don't know. Oh, boy. All right, well, 
some of my DUCOM crew is just joining, so I don't know how much of these old stories or my first set of stories they've heard. But I will go to last couple of stories so they'll hear something. And then we'll kind of backtrack to find out what they did here so that they can comment or we'll just go, you know what, we'll just go into another, we'll go into our topic today. Because uh, that, that was just a bit much. That was a bit much. But before we do that, I do want to give an update on the Brooklyn Bridge. Remember we talked about the Brooklyn Bridge and how they were clearing out the the bridge because it was overcrowded. Well, they have actually made moves. They are officially clearing it out. They say it has actually gotten worse <laughs> since they initially talked about it. They say that there was a journalist who actually went through the vendors, and they say some of the illegal vendors that are on this bridge 360-degree photo booth, a margarita bar. Yes, they have this woman for $15. She mixes the silver tequila and other ingredients into a miniature metal cocktail shaker with ice, and then she pours it into a 10-ounce plastic cup. Now, you know she is so lucky she ain't sitting up in somebody's jail. You have to have a license to do that. These liquor stores and these bars and lounges and restaurants, they have to have a license in order to serve alcohol. And then they have to card people. And you're standing on a bridge making... Mm, what they what else are they saying? They said up on here they've got they're selling US president bobbleheads, they're selling stencils of anime characters, holographic prints, hats with pot leaves, souvenir Yama wool hats, purses and backpacks, New York City magnets, New York City snow globes and shot glasses. How to Roll Blunts for for Dummies Books. <laughs> I survived my trip to New York City shirts. Hoodies, prints of New York City scenes, $1 water bottles, and gag souvenirs. And that's just to name a few. That's just to name a few. They're wiping it clean. Wiping it clean. So they, whoever's been on there, if you ain't seen it yet, you won't be seeing it much longer. My goodness, my goodness, my goodness. All right, y'all. All right, let's go to our topic of the morning. Let's see what we're talking about here. All right. They're saying that there are men who have listed 
why they don't want to get married. Let's say good morning to our due time crew. Let's just say good morning and welcome on, welcome them to the show. Good morning, Tamika. Monday, Monday morning. Good morning to you. How are you? I am well, thank you. Girl, I don't even really know after these news stories that came through this morning. Um, uh, I don't know how I'm doing. How are you? I am okay. I was eavesdropping while I was doing a little bit of something else. I was kind of multitasking, but I had, you know, I, I thank God I had access to be able to listen while I'm doing what I was doing. But, uh, ooh, stories and a half. Sheesh. Wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. It just gets worse and worse and worse. We just have to keep on praying. Yeah. Yeah, this this is bad. Which one did that really struck you this morning that you overheard? You know how I am about the children. You know, I, the, the mm. fight about it is we're talking about two different women. We're talking about a child and a woman that both get raped twice. You know, just thinking about, yes. you know, an adult female getting raped twice is one thing. We're talking about a child who hasn't really been, you know, been exposed to life, seen things, you know, not once, but twice. So my thing is, it's not that I'm not um, cognizant or careful about the woman, but we're talking about a baby. And you know how I am about children. So that I, I flipped my wig. <laughs> It flipped twice, honestly. Yeah. I took it off, put it back on, and flipped it again. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what in the world? Yeah. 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 And now you have this judge who's now being asked to rule that she have an abortion. They give her an abortion. And then they take the placenta and use it for forensic, uh, how do they say it? Let me read it here. Forensic testing in a criminal investigation. And it's like, what does that even mean? What does that even mean that you would even take this for testing in a criminal investigation? What are you supposed to find out? I don't get it. See, and that's what I was thinking as well before you even said it. I said, okay, so what does that mean? You know, you, you know, this yeah. would be a good time to have the um, the doctor that we have that speaks about gynecological, you know, concerns. Because I want to know, okay, so what is it that you're doing that makes a difference and why her placenta, you know, uh, and, and does is this really going to help someone in the future? Or, you know, because you're thinking about it, Family members, you know, mothers that, that the mother and father, hopefully, you know, we keep saying in order for them, they're not governing or guarding her the way that they should be, apparently. But, you know, is that adding insult to injury? First of all, you maybe or abort the baby, which we understand. She's a child. So, you know, trying to give birth and go through that process, you know, for the body has to be traumatic, not even excluding, you know, the fact that her mind, she's not, she's not ready for that. You know, and then are you adding insult to injury? What is it that this does for future um, women or young ladies that 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 have the same occurrence happen to them? Yeah, yeah. 
I think we're going to have to ask Dr. Borden the next time he comes on, you know, for this particular, maybe a little history or explanation or something because this here, I couldn't understand it. And they're insisting this is a consistent thing. I can't tell you how many times in this article they mentioned that she get an abortion, that please rule that she gets an abortion and that you take the placenta and test it for forensic. I'm like, what is the insistence on all of this? You know, are you going to find out who the, the, the rapist is? I don't, I don't know, you know, who the father is because they said she was raped twice in a matter of weeks. So I don't know if they're trying to maybe find out mm-hmm. who's responsible for the actual, you know, baby, um, or maybe they don't. They claim they don't know who it is, or you know, who that raped her. So maybe that's what they're trying to narrow down. I don't know, but I'd really like to know what this insistence is. When it comes to this, so I, I don't know to make it. This is really, this is 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 you know what is good. She is young, cause maybe she'll forget after a while. I don't know, I don't know, I, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, this is this really weird to me. Really Absolutely, I mean, cause my thing is when we think about, especially with an occurrence like that, you have your rape kit. So we we obviously know based on what we that she's been raped twice, you know, um, then they start, you know, the, then they start talking about her. You know, I always find that when it, whenever we have a, a rape case, regardless of who the individual is, there is some form of character assassi- uh, assassination. Um, and so, you know, even if she did, that still didn't warrant her, you know, being raped. You know, if she was doing, you know, pornographic or watching pornographic, Somebody exposed this baby to something. You don't just automatically wake up at five years old, at six years old, at eight years old and say, oh, this is what I want to do today. You were exposed to that, whether it was a household, whether it was a family member that comes on on a regular, maybe it's somebody that sleeps in the home, maybe it's the parents. We don't know, you know, but that, I mean, the whole thing is, is really difficult, you know, and so after being raped twice, so I guess after that, like you said, you know, you can find out the paternity by that, but you're going to get rid of the baby anyway. And, and I guess at this point, you know, whatever the placenta tells is who you'll persecute. But my thing is they both did it. So you, you're only going to persecute the father. Um, I, right. That's, you know, I just, it's just, it's too much. It's too much. Yeah, it is. It is. It, this is, this is, this is. I I I I was like, Lord have mercy. This here, this is, you know, this is a lot to endure for a little girl, for a woman. This is this is a lot. This is a lot. So I, you know, who knows where this goes from here? But this is exactly, you know, why, you know, we have such a large responsibility as parents because this is the kind of stuff that can happen. So. I don't know. I don't know. Thank you for joining us today. Let's say good morning to our Pastor KL. Good morning, Pastor KL. Good morning, Pastor Steph. How are you today? 
I am well. Thank you. I am well. How are you? I'm well as well. Thank you. That's good. That's good. Did you hear any story? Um, no. I mean, I just heard the the recap of what um, Lady Tamika was speaking of, but that that's pretty much it. Okay, okay, okay. Any comments before we uh, move forward? Well, I mean, I, I just think that's, you know, absurd and ridiculous. Um, you know, even even if they protesting, you know, the abortion, you know, the, 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 the mental uh, stability in the state after that, if they say that she can't have an abortion, you know, you got raped and now you have to see this child all the time. That's going to remind you of, of the incident. You know, it, it becomes difficult to even love properly because you, 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 you're, you're, so, you're so mad. You're so emotionally um, detached and distressed over it. So I, I, think, I think that's crazy within itself. Yeah, there, there's a lot. Either way you go with this, this, this is going to be one unpleasant situation. And, you know, it's just, like I said, you know, sometimes in life, you know, you have times where people, you know, part of them, they say, I don't remember anything. You know, I don't remember that. Let's hope that this is one at a time because this, the, either way, whether they let her go through with the pregnancy or they abort the, the pregnancy, this is some kind of trauma. So the, the prayer that this is really something that, that maybe just goes away you know, it's, it's a big, big wish, but, you know, just hope that this is something that just goes away because this is real traumatizing. This has been a traumatizing experience for this child. This is a child, and this is just something that just is unimaginable. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining us today. We got a little chat, you know, chat opportunity. They're talking about men who have said there are reasons they do not want to get married. And I wanted to just run some of these by you and think of, you know, to hear what you think about some of these things that, you know, men have said. And, and, uh, you know, they say it's kind of an eye-opener. I don't know. You know, sometimes they say these things. It's like, it ain't nothing for us. But, um one person says, I think growing up around miserable married people has made me reconsider the idea of marriage for myself. It's not something I want or need. And, you know, that's been pretty common. That's a common conversation that people have that they don't see or they have never seen positive marriages. What do you think about that, Tamika? Boy, I was kind of on the same frame for a long time because, you know, it's it's kind of funny because as soon as you get to the dating stage, people automatically kind of push that ideal of getting married, you know. And, you know, I'm you're telling me get married, and I'm like looking at y'all, and I'm like everywhere I look, to the left, to the right, in front and back, you know, everything just seems like disaster. It's like, okay, why would I want to put myself through that? If you are the one telling me, oh, yeah, marriage is beautiful, and I just heard y'all had a major argument about something trivial, you know, so why would I want to put myself through that? So 
I can understand that because I went through it for for a period of time. All righty, all righty. Pastor KL, what say you about people who say, you know, hey, I don't want to get married. I don't see near happy married couples. And you know what? That 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 is really really true. I mean, a lot of times, you know, all you hear is the arguing, all you hear is the bickering, all your best friend is coming to you with all the stories of what he done did or what she done did. But now she want to be the, the the maid of honor at your wedding or the best man at your wedding. But I'm looking at you and y'all ready to kill each other. So why should I put myself through that same thing? So, yeah, I, I agree. Sometimes what you see on the outside, you know, is not necessarily what, not necessarily what you want on your inside. Yeah, yeah. This is, But this is very common. People say a lot of times, nope, I will say it out that married thing because, you know, people talk about marriage, but, you know, when you look around, there are not a lot of married people you see that are happy. And I'll pass. I will pass. I will pass. Here's an interesting one. It creates a contractual agreement between two parties that either party can withdraw from the contract at any time. However, the less well-off party can have the state order the more well-off party to give a substantial amount of income to them just because they decided to void the contract. If you did not describe this as marriage, any lawyer would tell you to run. I have no desire to involve the state in my relationship, just to hand someone a tool to ruin my life with. Tamiko. <laughs> so this is where this whole ideal <clears throat> of a prenuptial agreement has come from. You know, um, if you have a substantial amount of money or if you make money, more money than your spouse, then that is always a fear or concern, you know, for certain individuals. You know, okay, so now that for whatever reason it didn't work, now I got to give you, now I got to, you know, I'm just going to sound like them. Now I got to give you money because, you know, I make more money than you. That's not fair, you know. And when it comes to finances, you know, we, we, all, we often rec- recognize that, that is, you know, finance is a part of marriage. And so, you know, you have a right to say, hey, I want to do this. Or, hey, you know, this is not what I want to do. And that's your choice, you know. And nobody can fault you for how you feel. Mm-mm. Yes. Pastor KL, it's a contract that might end up with me having to pay my spouse, my wife in your case, all this money, and she's the one that backed out of it. Yeah, it, it 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 it's become it's become difficult. Even if even if you the man want to get out of it, you know that that's why they produced that song as cheaper to keeper. You know because you got it's cheaper just to stay there and suffer. You know what I mean? Or or, or just just play like everything is okay. You know, there's a lot of couples that's playing like everything's okay. Simply because one, you know, I don't want to be by myself, you know, and two, I I I love my money too much to just be giving it to you, and alimony and all types of stuff, you know what I mean? It, it, it's all my money. I don't want to be giving out no alimony, you know. So sometimes people just endure, you know. When they say to death do you part, you ready to kill somebody? Yeah, 
<laughs> Absolutely. I have seen some. You know, I, I know this guy. The wife cheated on him. Wife cheated on him. He even went to another state to, she went to see this guy. And he even followed her to another state, um, you know, trying to get the wife back and all of this kind of stuff. He endured, you know, tried to get, you know, she came back, brought her back, you know, had kids, everything. Do you know she filed for divorce and he had to end up paying her alimony for four years? (laughs) I was like, why didn't you file for the divorce? Or why didn't you tell she cheated? Because had she cheated, he wouldn't have had to pay to tell the alimony. He said nothing. And four years, and I'm telling you, it was a pretty penny because he was making quite a bit of money. And he paid because he never told that. The, and when he finally told it, it was too late. And the lawyer, he told me, he said, my lawyer told me, same thing you just said. He said, I didn't say anything. He said, the lawyer said he could not believe he ne- that I never said anything. I couldn't believe he never said anything. Yeah. She filed for divorce and ended up getting alimony for four years to the tune of a nice, pretty pay. Homegirl did not have to work. That's how much alimony she was getting paid. So, yeah, Pastor KL is cheaper to keep her. And but he ain't have no other choice. Ah, she got rid of his butt first. All right. I've seen marriages fail all around me. My mom is not happy in her, but she has her own issues. My friend who didn't want to get married or have kids at first got married, had a kid, wife cheated on them with two different men, and they got divorced. He's paying child support and is starting to think his kid isn't his. He's afraid to take a paternity test, but knows he should. That alone was enough reason for me. Jamaica. <sighs> yeah. Um, <laughs> we, just, we just mentioned that, like, to the left, to the right. Everywhere you go, it's all kinds of disaster when it comes to relationships. And I mean, you know, you are, you can very well be affected by things that, you know, happen to other people. You know, I had a cousin who married a a woman, they had children. One day he was at work and while he was at work, he mentioned to her he had to stay late. That day when he came home, she took, when I tell you everything, she even took the tapestry off the wall that he purchased. And, Uh you know, he... He is, he, he was part-time, so they, they had a child that they were bringing back and forth. One weekend he would have her, she have him during the week and back and forth and back and forth. And he was still paying her child support, you know. And so when you look to the left or to the right and you're looking for someone who says, you know, hey, our relationship is good, you know, outside of, outside of newlywedden. Me, we're talking about people who've been there 50, 60 years, you know, Unfortunately, it's dwindling. 
And it's like if you get, especially if you get that in your home, in your household with mom and dad, and that's the first, um, that's the first example of love that you should be seeing, and it, it becomes traumatic or disastrous, then you start kind of looking away. Like, this is not what I want. This is not, you know, if I can't see a good, a, a good handful of relationships that are blossoming and working, then it does cause a person to say, eh, maybe this is not what I want. Mm-hmm. Ooh, child. Cassie Kale. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, as Timothy says, you know, anytime you see someone who or see a couple that that's not doing well, it always, no matter how much you're in love, it all it always puts a bad taste in your mouth as, do I really want to do this? You always end up second-guessing yourself and your situation. Am I really ready for this? You know, and, and you know what, don't get me wrong, you know, a lot of times, especially if you're trying to do it right, you know, you, you don't realize that woman or that man until y'all live together, until, until after you, you don't jump the broom. And at that point, oh, my God, you know, you start realizing that, you know, she can't cook or she don't clean or he don't do this or who don't, he don't do that. Yeah. And then you start to see, you know, what your friends was talking about. You know, saying what 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 everybody else was talking about. You start seeing it in, in the per, in the person that you thought God chose for you. So yeah, it becomes difficult. Yeah, yeah. Uh, God chose for me. Uh, okay. All right. Here's an interesting dynamic. I don't want to get married or have a partner because I am an introvert, and I find peace in solitude. Also. I don't really get lonely, so I don't feel the overwhelming need to find someone. I have nothing against marriage or dating. Uh, When I'm lonely, I know how to spend my time. And when I want company, I know how to spend my time. Tamika, what does that say for people, you know, who get married just so they're not lonely anymore? And there are so many people that do that. Um, and, you know, you have to be honest, you know, the, the things that you want in marriage, um, you have to be careful on what you're requesting or what you want. You know, if, you know, if you want somebody, you know, a companion, I know this is going to probably sound harsh, but, you know, they're puppies, they're, you know, there's they're someone that can be with you all the time. You know, they, you know, people are different. You know, um, being in a relationship with somebody, you, you know, you go out, and you do all of this stuff, and you expect, you know, everybody's not going to do exactly what you expect. You know, you go out, you you get your hair done, you get your makeup, you you go buy outfits and blah, 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 and he walks by you and doesn't say a word, you know, and this is because this is what you, your ideals of what marriage is about, and that marriage is entirely different, you know, and so if that's what you're looking for, then I think you need to to look at at that again, you know, because everything that you desire or want is not always going to happen. You know, or or she, you know, he, he goes out and, you know, buys this great big meal and he cooks it in, in, in the ideal that an expectation that she's going, oh, this is wonderful and, you know, great. And she just eats and, you know, she goes back home and that's the end of that, you know. And so, you know, you have to be careful on what it is that you're requesting in marriage because you may not always get it. Ah, enough said. 
Pastor KL, you know, people get married for the companionship. Good enough reason? No, not at all. Not at all. You know, people have 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 the need to be around people. Unfortunately. You know, they have the need to have people in their life. You know, they have to talk to someone. That that that's a dangerous thing. Because if if you can't find yourself satisfied and okay with yourself, then no matter who you with, you're never gonna be satisfied and okay with. You know, you you got to be comfortable being by yourself first in order to be happy being with someone else. You know, just to have someone in the room does not necessarily make you happy or even secure for that matter. You know, because like Tamika says, you, 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 you have a thought on how he should act or how she should act. And he or she may be totally different than, than what you envision. You can't create a person. You know, the person is who they are. You know, sometimes they play the funk, you know what I mean, to get in because they figure this is what you like. But eventually, you know, if you go outside and play in the dirt and one day you decide to take a shower, the the dirt will come off and you're going to be seen for who you really are. Mm. That's an interesting uh, metaphor. All right, all right now. Playing in the dirt and shower. Wow. <laughs> All right now, Pastor KL. All right now. You get real creative over there. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. All right. Here's, here's something that, you know, I want to end off with if we don't have any more time. And I thought this was this is definitely a, a concept that people have a real, especially men, have a hard time with. Marriage is an archaic social con- construct. Even the arbitrary steps to getting married are ridiculous and all for social acceptance and validation, expensive engagement rings, engagement, bachelor bachelorette parties, wedding shower, expensive wedding and reception, honeymoon. You don't need any of that to simply love your partner. That's a load of no, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, and, and I guess I say that because I just recently, you know, got married, and, and honestly, you know, it was costly. But um, we found a way to minimize a lot of the cost. Honestly, when you're in the process, as soon as you go somewhere. And you say, I'm getting mad. You haven't even got the whole word married out. You know, like we went to um, a place that was selling um, cakes. And so we asked, you know, what was the going price just for a cake? And they said, well, you know, it's $700 just for you to have the base. So we're talking about eggs, you know, flour, water. You know, you haven't designed anything, you know, and, and depending on what your ideal is. You know, and they said it's $1,000 just to speak to someone. Wait a minute, we haven't gotten the cake yet. So the base is $700, and it's $1,000 for me to speak to a person, and you haven't designed the cake, I haven't told you what I want yet, I haven't told you what flavor. And so we decided we're getting a fake cake. You know, and even with that, honestly, it costs just to get the fake cake. You know, and 
honestly, everywhere you go, they, there's a price on this and there's a price on that. And, they, you know, you used to be able to get someone to be able to, and I'm not expecting anybody to do anything free for me, but you used to be able to get that. Now everybody's got their hands up. So I do understand that. But you don't have to do all of that. That's up to the person, you know. It's, you know, that's up to the ideal of the person, you know. Um, and you don't have to go all out. You know, there are prices. There are ways to, to avert prices. And so, you know, my thing is, if that's scaring you, then find different ways. You know, now they have the, you know, the justice of the peace. You know, you wear your, you know, whatever it is that you want to wear, and you can still do it that way. So if you're trying to avert costs, you can still do that. You know, if that's your, if that is your only thing, then I say go ahead and do it. You know, and just, you know, avert all those prices and costs so that you can do what you want. All righty, Pastor KL, the men say it's too darn expensive. It's all expense, expense, expense. You know what? I, and I hate to say this, but I, I'm in total agreement. You know, I, I think, you know, they, they say that, that the wedding is for the woman. I think the wedding is for the people. You know, we got we to gotta feed you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We, we got to give you trinkets, you know, for being in my wedding. <laughs> you know, it, okay. it, it, it's for the people. We got to decorate the hall. We got to buy the cake. You know, we get the first slice of the cake, but the people eat the cake. We got to have a menu because some folks don't eat pork. Some folks don't eat fish. Some folks don't eat beef. So now my, my expenses are going higher for you. Now, if I just put a bowl of ravioli for everybody, then there shouldn't be no problem. But no, we can't do it like that. It is for the people. You know, the bachelorette party, the bachelor party, they say it's for us, but it's for the people. They Listen, the, the, the women and the men put more dollars in the G-string than, than, than the, the bride or the groom because the bride and the groom is afraid that somebody going to say that they put a dollar in it. So they don't even participate. So it's for the people. It's too much money, too much money. Go to the JOP, have a few friends, and, and have a barbecue. That's it. Uh-huh. Uh, go away. Go where, Pastor KL? To the JOP, Justice of the Peace. Justice oh, I'm what is that?
And the saddest night I had this past Friday night, certain things were coming to mind, and it was such a tumultuous, is that the word? Oh, my goodness. It felt like I was kicking my own behind. The enemy was trying to kick my behind. So, like, God was just like, all right, these tests are coming. These tests are coming because I've been talking to you about this. And I need you to put this in effect. I've been talking to you about that. I need you to put that in effect. And I was just going through it mentally, physically, spiritually, kind of going through it. And it just felt so much heightened from the last time I felt like, okay, I was really going through it. But one of the things I took away from, the main thing I took away from last week was I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, come on, God needs you to be tougher. He, he needs you tough. He, he needs you to build this momentum. Like, come on, come on, come on. Like, you was doing all right. But now it's time to level up. You got, you got to be a lot, more t- a lot more tough. So our switch tip 167 is move on God's word. Because if I was not able to yell out Jesus' name, if I was not able to pick myself up in God, and it was to a point where I couldn't even really read because I felt like, okay, God, if I pick up this Bible, whether it was my physical Bible or open up the Bible app, my eyes is going to be skimming over these words. I don't think I'm going to really be reading, reading for real, like to retain what I'm reading. So I had to just get these AirPods in and listen to it, and that definitely helped. But it all boiled down to it being God's word that was able to motivate me, keep me going, keep me with that perseverance word in my head and that endurance word in my head and remembering that I said that I'm living for Jesus. So that means there's going to be a whole lot of suffering the same way there's a whole lot of blessings. Sometimes there's a whole lot of suffering. But if we're not moving on God's word, we, we may be moving, but in the complete opposite direction. So God has had me studying the, the, book, the book of James, I'm sorry, and the first set of verses that came to mind or that came up actually is from James 1, 22 through 24 in the Amplified Version, which reads, but prove yourself doers of the word, actively and continually obeying God's precepts and not merely listeners who hear the word but fail to internalize its meaning, deluding yourselves by sound reasoning contrary to the truth. For if anyone only listens to the word without obeying it, he is like a man who looks very carefully at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he immediately forgets what he looked like. But he who looks carefully into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and faithfully abides by it, not having become a careless listener who forgets, but an active doer who obeys. He will be blessed and favored by God in what he does in his life of obedience. And the word deluding means force a misleading belief upon someone. So in this case, it's talking about upon yourself. So hold on, let me go back to the sentence. And not merely listeners who hear the word but fail to internalize its meaning forcing a misleading belief upon yourself. So when we are making the choice to just hear God's word, read God's word, but not move on it, not put it into action, we are actually forcing ourselves to believe something contrary to God's word. And a lot of times we don't look at it that way. But God says that's what we're doing, so that's what we're doing. Romans 2.13, Amplified Version reads, 
For it is not those who merely hear the law as it is read aloud who are just or righteous before God, but it is those who actually obey the law who will be justified, pronounced free of the guilt of sin and declared acceptable to him. And when I read that about a half hour ago, I was like, whoa, because it really shows that he is expecting you to move on what you read and what you learn. Not only is he expecting us to, but he's saying that we have the ability to. So a lot of times we read God's word, and a few switch tips ago, it may have been the last switch tips, I can't remember when God brought up the verse, um, you know, if we are walking in the street and we see our enemy, we have to be the first ones to make the move. And I told you when I first read that, I said out loud, God, you've got to be kidding me. I know that's not what you're trying to tell me to do. But, yes, not only was he expecting me to do it, but he's saying, Shanti, you have the ability to be walking in the street randomly, la, 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 and run into somebody you, not, you don't like, you're not feeling, and you have the ability to make the first positive move. Because we, we can make some moves. We can bust some moves. But the first positive move that would show that enemy who God is and what he has been doing in you. And if you want to be deemed acceptable by God, if you want God to now wipe your slate clean of all your sins, you have to do a whole lot more. Well, we, because this applies to me, first of all. We have to do a whole lot more than just read his word. We have to now put it into action because we have the ability to put it in action. Remember 2 Timothy 1 7. Matthew 7 24, Amplified Version, and these two, these next two verses are coming from Jesus' mouth. So everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man, a far sighted, practical, and sensible man who built his house on the rock. Verse 26. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish, stupid man who built his house on the sand. And again, these words, I don't know about y'all, but I don't like hearing when I'm I'm acting a little slow and bugging out sometimes all that. But when I read these things or when someone is talking to me and I can tell that the the correction and the counsel, even if I don't like what they're saying, is coming from a place of God correcting me. I've really learned to appreciate it because there's another verse I'm paraphrasing that says, if you're not willing to help, then shut up. But Jesus, is, he, he does more than help. He is so proactive. And because he is always willing to help, he can say things like this to us. Okay, so moving on God's word helps us to have a solid foundation. It helps us to have wisdom. It helps us to have righteousness. It helps us to be level-headed and to level up. Not moving on God's word helps us to reject Jesus helps us to be careless with our life, and it helps us to be unrighteous. And when we remember that Jesus is the word, then we remember that our switch to move on God's word ultimately means move on Jesus. So we have to make sure that we're making the conscious decision, making the switch to only being a hearer of his word, only reading it, only listening to it, especially those of us who go to church and we just rely on the pastor to, to interpret God's word for us and, and do all that. But when we understand that we have to read for ourselves, internalize it, re-internalize all this other crap that goes on around us, but internalize his word, then that will help us to move on it, have the good works, have the faith with not just the works, but the good works, so that we can now have the stability in our lives that we need. Thank you, Pastor Steph. Thank you, Shanties. What's the title of your switch tip today? 
move on God's word. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for your contribution into today's conversation. And we pray you have a blessed day. Thank you, you too. Thank you. Oh, we got our benediction here. All the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. That is Romans eleven thirty three and 36. Inscrutable. Hmm. All the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. I'm, I'm really happy that Shantice actually gave that switch tip today. <laughs> I've been praying for so long. Keep going to God. I said, God, I hear what you're telling me, but I think I'm kind of getting this mixed up because I'm trying to figure out how I'm reading your word, and it's telling me pretty much what Shantis was saying, and yet we have the people that say that we belong to you we we are about you. You're the head of our life. You mean so much. You've done so much. And yet I'm I'm looking at you standing still and it and, and it has nothing to do with judging. It has nothing to do with the fact that, you know, everybody don't grow the same rate. It has nothing to do with everybody don't understand the same it has nothing to do with that. It has nothing to do with that at all. I have gotten from God for, for quite some time. I'm showing you what I don't want you to look like. I'm exposing this behavior, this mindset. Because I don't want you to look like that. There's no reason. And you you hear this, and it doesn't make you better. But what it it because God is giving all of us the same thing. And in some shape, form, or fashion, we're all getting the same thing. There's no real mystery, because. If everything remained a mystery, then how do we get to where God needs us to be so that he can grant eternal life? If all of this is a mystery, then could he hold us accountable for anything or to anything? 
if all of this is a mystery, then where's the expectation coming from? How could he say you need to make the decision to be hot or cold because if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out? How could he possibly have an expectation of us, from us, for us, if everything is a mystery? We all don't understand things, you know, equally, and we know that. However, does it mean that it's not, we're not exposed to, to the same things? We're all exposed to the same word of God. And it, 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 it's uh, my head. I'm scratching my head because I'm trying to figure out why are we walking around in circles the way we are. It has nothing to do with perfection. But I'm trying to figure out why are we here? How come we're not advancing the way we need to be? How are we supposed to be helping one another if we are not allowing God to do what he needs to do in our life? Yeah, we are preventing God because that's all I keep, that's all I'm being told. I don't want you to look like that. I need you to make sure that they don't look like that. I need you to watch this, and I need you to see what I'm seeing. Because if you look at these things and you brush it off, you know, I had somebody tell me, oh, you know, Steph, you know, we can't be so hard because it took us some time to get there. You know, we, no, I'm sorry. This has nothing to do with, I got there in 15 minutes, but it's going to take you nine hours and, you know, 80 minutes to get here. No, 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 no. Time is winding up. And God is presenting himself in ways that he did not present himself back in the day. There's a babysitting, and I call it a babysitting service that's taking place now that we didn't get. We didn't get what God is making available to us now. And I'm asking myself, are you understanding that, yo, we don't have the time that we think we have. We can't sit back and just do what we want to do or let time go by because this is, these are valuable minutes that are going by. How is it that you're not pressing your way toward the mark? That it's okay to feel and and think like this and we're allowing our emotions to keep us pinned down. We're allowing our train of thought to keep us pinned down where we're not watching time pass us by and realize that we can actually God can close our eyes and we have missed the mark that's really an option for us that's really an option that's 
really an option? Now, now it's different if we didn't have the understanding. That's, see, that's a different thing. Where there are people out here who God hasn't gotten to yet. They don't know anything yet. But for those of us that this has been exposed to over and over again, for those of us where this has been broken down to over and over again, for those of us who God has made it his business to invest in over and over again, are you really okay with God closing your eyes and you could possibly go to hell? This is really okay? Do you, I mean, is this really okay? Because you can't say you don't understand it. God has ensured that you understand it. And I keep going back to God and I keep saying, God, is it me? Am I really like, am I just out there? And, and he says, no, I keep exposing this to you because I need you to understand that this is a reality and I need you to sound the alarm. And I remember reading Ezekiel. I believe it was Ezekiel. And we discussed it because we're reading cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation. And there was, there, was, there was a peace of mind when I heard God say, I'm giving it to you to give. And it's up to you to give it. Because if I give it to you to give and you don't give it, and they missed the mark because you didn't give it, then their blood is on your hands. But if you have given what you're supposed to give, and they ignore it, the blood is not on your hands. And there was, I mean, I was like, and that was God confirming do what I tell you to do. Just do what I tell you to do. I don't care how mad they get. I don't care how much they reject it. I don't care how much they run into the opposite direction. I need you to make sure you give it. Because if they miss them all because of you, Stephanie, then I'm holding you accountable. Uh-uh. You're not putting that on my hands. You can continue to reject it. You can continue to ignore it. But know that once God deems that you have received it, now he's holding you accountable. Make sure you remember that because there will be no excuse for you anymore. Oh, please do not miss this opportunity to give Christ your life right now. Please do not miss this opportunity to strengthen your relationship with the Lord right now because later is not promised to end. Us. Until tomorrow, God spares. Where's Let's Talk About It Tuesday Church Folk Day? I love you.